Luga Savruga, come winds of the Caspian Sea. Thou rings us, Glossitis, and next laryngitis, the voce to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Disney Parks Podcast. This is Park Hopper Sid, and I am here, as always, with Miss Krista Joy and Tony Castelnova, and we have a very special episode for you today. We are joined by the amazing and talented Pat Carroll, whom most of you will know best as the voice of Ursula from Disney's The Little Mermaid. Tony, take it away. And we're going to try and focus on, we have a lot of Disney fans, obviously, the name of the podcast. So we're going to try and focus around the your Disney experience. And oh, um, uh, do you have two hours? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have as much time as you have. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. wonderful. We'll just keep talking because I could talk about Disney for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's we great. I swear to you, it is truthful. Anyone who works for the Disney Corporation is fortunate. It really is the truth. The people are fair, they're honest, they're tough, they demand the best of you, but what right. good business shouldn't? Yeah, true. Absolutely. True, true. So let's start with, uh, how did you get the, the role for Ursula? Uh, you know. Through prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that literally. Yeah. Because uh, my agent of that time called me and said, would you audition for something at Disney. I said, I'll audition for anything at Disney. I yeah. wanted to do work for them because I have done nothing but follow their creative work since I was a child. Right. And I was even a member of the Mickey Mouse Club in El Paso, Texas when I was four years old. What do you think of them, Red Apples? Wow. So I said, of course I'll audition for them. Are you kidding me? Anytime, anyplace. So they sent me out on this audition and I read the words of Ursula and I thanked them, they thanked me. I came back home, the agent called a week later and said, would you go in for a musical audition? <laughs> and I said, of course, I'll stand on my head, I'll do anything they want. Right. So I went in and the composer and the lyricist were there, charming young men. And they had me at the piano and they had me going deeper and deeper until I said, wait a minute, I'm not a basso profundo. Mm. I am a very strong alto and I can maybe dip a little lower, but I am not a basso. And they laughed and brought it up a bit, but I was able to do two more keys down for them and they were ecstatic. And so I thanked them, they thanked me, I went home and a year later, <laughs> I heard from my agent, you got it. And I said, got what? And he said, the Disney film you auditioned for. And I said, oh my Lord. I could not believe that. You know, it was extraordinary. I, I, I felt like I had received a beneficence from out of the sky. Yeah. So I said, well, what does this mean? He said, it means you start to work next week. Wow. From the very first session with the two Johns, both directing and producing, it was so wonderful because they knew exactly what they wanted. They knew exactly. And if I didn't hit it on the button, they made me do it until I did. So I have half of the performance of that brilliant character 
to put on their backs because they demanded what they wanted, and I guess I got it for them. Yeah. But the working situation was fabulous. The sessions, I could be absolutely exhausted from them, but I was ready to go the next day because the sessions were so exciting. The material was so exciting. Who couldn't do a role like that? It is... It is just an extraordinary experience to even try. Now, I began thinking. I saw the drawings of Ursula. I read the dialogue, and I thought, now, who is this creature? Because obviously she's bigger than life. And I finally came to the conclusion that she was a used car salesman and an ex-Shakespearean actress. And that worked for me. I had the keys for me as a performer to fill all those little spaces with what I believed about that marvelous character. And uh, my last session I did on Ursula was in Florida in April, I believe, and that was the supposed opening to the new 3D coming out in August internationally and in October in the States. And I, I was so tickled because I hadn't recorded any Ursula, oh, I guess for a year or two. And to pick up this script in a wonderful small studio in, in uh, I was going to say Pocatello, Idaho, but that wouldn't be true. In <laughs> where, where is Disney World? That's Orlando, Florida? Lake Orlando, <laughs> bingo, you win the prize. You win the prize, Mr. Cavanaugh. He, so, he, he lives there. Oh, do you live there? Yeah, I live uh, 15 minutes from Walt Disney World in Florida. Oh, I tell you, it is a marvelous place. Why I was there, I, I was doing one of those autograph conventions. But I didn't know until I arrived that it was all for fans of horror films. And was Ursula considered a horror film person? Why was I there? Yeah. And you see people walking around as zombies and men on the stilts dressed in burial clothes. I was hysterical. And I had my older daughter, Carrie, with whom I think you've spoken. Yes. And my granddaughter, Evan, with me. Evan was my hairdresser at 13, and she did one heck of a good job, let me tell you. I paid her a salary. She was so doggone good. I think her price is going to go up on the next trip, however. <laughs> but I had so much fun doing that crazy Spook convention was what it was called. I was in the spook convention. Yeah, that's crazy. So everybody calls me Spooky now. And see how you get names attached to you for no reason of your own. <laughs> but while I was there, they called me to see if I would record being so close there. Uh, a, an, an opening that had been written for the new 3D uh, animated version of The Little Mermaid. So I went to this dear, darling studio. It was just wonderful. And uh, there was a young man, young Southern man, who owned it. And he was impeccable. And a brilliant, old engineer who had won awards all over the country. He was just Mr. Professional. He was glorious. And three young interns who were gaga. And one, the one lad said to me, we've never had a big star like you here, and I said, well, you haven't been in business a long way. <laughs> <laughs> we're all feeling that right now, too. We're just like... Oh, I want to tell you, those kids were so adorable, and 
They were so professional because I'm sure the engineer had taught them their professional manners and what they were to do. They were impeccable. I was so proud of those kids. And Mr. Engineer, I was very much in awe of. He was magnificent. So we did that. Suppose I don't know if it's going to be the opening or not, but that's what it was recorded for. I can't wait to see the 3D version. Yeah, that's coming out in October, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, in August, they're releasing it internationally. Okay. And I'm doing some uh, publicity and promoing for it while I'm in California the month of August. And then it comes out in the States. I believe they release it in October. And I go to New York the last week in September with Jody Benson, oh. our composer, mm -hmm. Sam Wright, and me doing all the TV and radio shows to promote it. Will that be fun or what? That, oh, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. Isn't that marvelous? I'm so excited about that week. And I'm going to pick both my daughters and my granddaughters so they can go to Broadway shows while I'm working my fanny on <laughs> <laughs> this seems only fair, you know. And then I get to come back and go to sleep early and they're at the theater and wake me up when they come in. <laughs> there is no rest for a grandmother, I want to tell you. That. Yeah, that's a tough job. That's a tough job. I was going to ask you, you are talking about these different recordings you're doing, and we had discussed this earlier. Is that part of your contract when you did, you know, the original Little Mermaid, or is this just something that when something comes up, Disney calls you and say, hey, would you be willing to come out and do a voiceover for us? How does that well, work? Well, I'll tell you, I, to be honest, who am I talking to? Sophie? Sarah? Sarah. Sarah, I recognize your voice, see? I don't honestly know, Sarah. I am so old now, I can't remember my contract. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure once contracted, unless I was very naughty and did bad things, uh, Disney has kept me on, and I just, anytime they call me, I am available. Because I have never worked for people who were so fair, so almighty fair, so gracious, so generous, so kind, and so businesslike. They are the epitome of professionalism, and I respect that to the nth degree. And all of my relationships with Disney have been of that high order. I, I, and I was on a plane one time on a promotional tour for Disney, and the, gentleman, the, the stewardess recognized me and asked me what I was doing going to Detroit. I said, building cars, of course. What are you, crazy? But I said, no, kidding aside, <laughs> I am touring for uh, Disney doing promotional work, and I explained to her, and, and we had a lovely conversation, and she went away, and the gentleman next to me said, excuse me, he said, uh, uh, "You work for Disney." I said, "Yes, sir. I, I'm not. I'm not in the in the executive. I'm an actress who is on tour promoting a Disney product now. But I work for Disney with pride." He said, "I have to tell you something. I am an international engineer, so I've been around the world three or four times." And I said, "I'm in awe already." But he said, "I have to tell you, no matter where I've been, if the Disney Corporation or company comes up, you." would be so pleased, as would they, with the reputation they have around the world. And I said, thank you for telling me that. I'm going to repeat it to the executives because I am sure they will be thrilled to hear that. You know, that's a difficult rep to get. Don't, I don't care what your business is. It's a difficult reputation to get internationally. 
And they've been doing this since, what, 1923? Yeah. So they have a little practice. <laughs> they have polished up everything. I, would, I was like a proud godmother from those kind of professional words from that Mr. Engineer. I thought, Disney, I am so proud to be working for you. That's fabulous. Because you get reflected glory, you know. Yeah. You can't buy groceries with it, but it's a nice thing to have. Right. <laughs> a reputation is a hard thing to earn and an easy thing to lose. Oh, boy. And that goes personally or professionally. And I wish right. young people knew that. And we see examples of it in the news now with these hard tales about our football professionals. It's disgraceful. Those young people making the wondrous money that they have, and they blow it all from stupidity. And I want to say, oh, children, children, you weren't taught right. You have to learn the rules of the game. It's a big game here, life is, and you got to know the rules. And I just feel sick about that because that reputation goes right out the window. Well, another thing we were talking about, um, Pat, is it okay to call you Pat? Well, you can call me Patricia Ann Bridget if you want to, but Pat is, I think, a short version. Of course it is. Oh, well, thank you. Um, we were just uh, kind of discussing earlier, were you actually in the room with other actors when you were recording the voice of Ursula, or were you often alone and just with the director's? Chris, they, they always record you individually, then they put it all together. The only time for Disney that I've ever done that, the first reading of The Little Mermaid was done with the entire cast, some flown in from New York, in a studio in Hollywood, and we sat there for two hours, and I was working on another series, so I had to be out at the end of the recording, and other people had other things. We sat there for two hours, recorded, including singing our own numbers to a pre-recorded score. Um. And it was such a pleasure meeting everybody, and at the end of the two hours, they didn't have a second of it. Something was wrong with the machine. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is that disappointing? Because I wanted a copy of that to have all of those wonderful actors there reading the script and singing their song. That was, a, and it was the first time Disney had ever done that. Oh, Isn't wow. that extraordinary? Oh. Is that shocking that that would happen? <laughs> wow, wow. It was karma, I guess. It was not meant I to be. I guess so, I guess so. <laughs> oh. I tell you, those people at the recording studio were absolutely distraught. They yeah. were destroyed. You can imagine. I mean, your business is doing that. Who knows when a machine is going to get up and bite you? You know, <laughs> those miserable machines. Check your iPads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with that being said, Tony, we're good, right? You're making me nervous now. Oh, no, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. No, but I'll tell you, it's so much easier, I think. I think it's, uh, I love it. Because you get that individual attention and that stab at perfection that the directors and producers would like to have. Right. When you're recording more than two people, there's a lot of distraction. Mm -hmm. You know, there really is. You can imagine. Yeah. But when there's one person in front of a microphone and you're dealing with a certain amount of material, you pretty well have control of that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to work there until they get what they want. And they do. They don't leave unless they have as close to what they thought and heard in their own brains as they can wow. have. And how about you your know? all your lines and everything? Did they dictate exactly what you had to say, or were you able to kind of... No, no. No, you have a script in front of you, and uh, 
you read through for them, and then they throw you some directions, and then you try recording, and then you keep doing it until you get it just the way they want mm. it. So it can take an hour. It can take two hours. It depends on the length of the material. Mm-hmm. But I, as a, a, a voiceover performer, prefer that one person along with the directors and producers because I figure I'm getting a better chance at getting what they want. Mm-hmm. I have you a know. feeling you have fun wherever you go, too. I have that feeling. Uh, I think I have that, yes. <laughs> Do you get that feeling I'm kind of loose? Yeah, loose as a goose, right? Now, I enjoy the work I have done for 65, 67 years. Yeah, you can tell. Uh, right? I'm 86 years old now. I am still having a ball. Yeah. And my youngest daughter, Tara Carsian, is a professional actress, has been for 20 years, just uh, starred in, wrote, and produced her own film with a uh, writing partner of hers. And she works all the time. I am so proud of her because in this profession, to make your living for 20 years is extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. just Literally. extraordinary. The percentages are so against you. But she's done it, and I bless her, and I'm so proud of her because she's a good professional. When she was very young, I took her on a set one day, and I said, see that lady? That's the wardrobe lady. See, see that gentleman? That's the hairdresser. See this gentleman? He is the assistant director. See, the, I pointed out every person on the set and their job. And I said, you say you want to be an actress. Never forget this. When you come on a set, you will be working with all of these people from hair makeup to cameramen to assistant directors to directors to producers and what you do when you are finished with your day's work is you go to those people and you say thank you because if they don't do their job you can't do your job she has never forgotten it i have been on sets after my daughter has worked there and everybody comes up and said boy did you teach her right (laughs) 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 and i'll tell you i meant and i am so grateful that my daughter tara adhered to my words and realized they were truthful it's not the pander uh you know oh she's so darling it's not. It's to thank appropriately the people without whose work you could not work. Yeah. Pat, I have to tell you, that is just wonderful to hear. I actually come from a theater background, and you know, my degree is in it, and I spent many years um, touring with different productions and doing backstage work. And you remember those actors, and you remember those you know, directors that treated you like you were a part of it and not just you know, a peon. That's in right. Well, anybody from whether it's theater, where I started also, so I applaud you, but any place you work in the theatrical profession, I don't care if it's a gaffer, you say thank you because those people are doing work you can't do, mm-hmm. and without their work, you can't work. So it's so simple to me. It doesn't, it doesn't make big sticks at all. And especially in the theater, when you're touring and you're in and out and in and out. I have turned up at the same theater three times, and <laughs> the hairdresser said to me, do you remember me? I said, I practically live here. Why wouldn't I remember you? Of course I do. <laughs> because you remember the people you work with, particularly in the theater for eight performances a week. 
you know, that's a lot of time to spend with other human beings. It's much less time unless you're on a film for a very long period of time, but usually most of us are in and out for a scene or two. So you don't have that proximity on relationship with these working people I'm talking about because you aren't there that long. But in the theater, we were cheek and jowl. You know, you're there all the time, eight a week. That's why I can't work in the theater anymore. I don't have the energy for eight performances a week. And I still laud every legit actor who is out there doing eight a week. But, you know, talking about the theater, I have to say this, and you didn't even ask me the question. If there is any young person listening to you who wants to act, I must beg them to start in the theater, to learn in the theater. Yes, you can go and work in television later. Yes, you can go and work on films later. Yes, you can do whatever you want. But with the basic training for work in the theater as an actor, you have to do the things that will enable you to speak well, to enunciate well, to use your body appropriately and keep it in good condition and to consider your health, because if you don't have health, you cannot do eight performances a week. I'm sorry. And don't use drugs, even though you think it's chic and smart, because you won't be able to perform. You'll be so stoned and so high that you won't know where you are or who you are. If you're going to use drugs, don't go into the theater. It's not a place for you. Because our job as actors in the theater is to invade, entertain, inform, and move those people who have paid to sit in seats out there and watch what is going on. Now, we do not make up what we say as we go along. There are people called playwrights who write the words for us, and thank God. But be true to the playwright, listen to your director, Keep your nose clean and keep your body up to snuff and your brain learning all the time. And the theater allows you to do all of those things. And I, I, I guess you don't get the same, you know, when you're doing a television show and even maybe a movie, you don't get immediate reaction from the audience. You, no, can't, you, you, you can't see your audience. You don't know what their reaction is or, right, you know. Right, right. Yeah. yeah so, but that immediate reaction, uh, you really become so hungry for that when you're working, yeah. say, on television. On television, mostly, if you are doing a comedy, you're working in front of an audience. Right. Uh, if you're doing a drama, you are not, which is just as well. But that reaction from other human beings sitting out there is the most extraordinary payment in the world because they have paid attention to what you have said. If you've said in a way that they can understand you, which means you have to have diction, you have to have projection, meaning you can be heard without a microphone, please. Uh, all of these mandates of what is demanded of you as an actor is returned 1,000% when an audience believes what you're doing. It is the most yeah. wonderful feeling in the world to know that they have bought the hard work that you have been involved in. And it's hard work to do anything in the theater. It's just plain hard work. But if you love the work, it's like anything else. It's not a chore. It's a privilege to do that hard work because of that wonderful exchange between actors and audiences. It's the most marvelous thing in the world. It is an addiction. I swear to you, it is a total addiction. Yeah. 
-hmm. And uh, you can't get away from it. You cannot get away from it. And now I am living a secondhand existence through my daughter, who is a a co-artistic director of a professional acting company. And she's producing films now, and she works in everything, in television and movies. And I can't wait to be in Los Angeles because we sit by the hour and talk the business. And I am so excited by that because she is in a whole new generation. What she is doing is totally different from what I've done over these many years. It's a brand new profession. And I'm excited to hear what the changes are like because it also prepares me. If I get called for something, then I know what to expect, you know. So it's lovely having another member of the family in the business so you sit around and you talk it for hours we can go on for three and four hours (laughs) and then we laugh about a celebrate saying do you believe us (laughs) 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 but i think any family members who are in the same business probably have that reaction and what fun it is what absolute fun it is to sit and talk to a member of your family about something you love doing it's it's just I think yeah. one of the joys of life. Yeah. You know, it's just superb. My older daughter was a casting director, and so she has a totally different feeling and attitude about the profession than we do. And yet she is so astute, and we we ask her many times about her uh, feelings about something we're doing. We will read for her. And she'll say, well, if I were you, take another approach on that third paragraph. Oh, she's smart. Oh, she's a smarty. (laughs) And she's very helpful also. And basically, she doesn't like actors. She thinks they're very venal. She thinks, you know. But when she finds a good actor, she will back that actor to her death. That's how strongly she believes in good acting. And, you know, it's a wonderful profession. I don't know why people kick it around. I don't know why people look down on it. Without acting, plays, television, I suppose, and films. I grew up on films, and they were my life. Films were my life as a kid because I learned about history from them. I learned about classical music. I learned about dance. I learned about biography. Films were my early education, and I still look at those films today, and I know I was right because they were wonderful. I can't say that much about films today, but, you know, that's okay. It's a different world now. It is a totally different world, and audiences are asking for other things. I'm not going to go, oh, they're just dreadful. No, they aren't. They're doing the best they can. But I relish those films from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s because they were a constituent of my life. And so I bless Hollywood for that. Yeah, movies today are you know more about blowing things up, I guess, than oh, they are. Oh, please, the violence, and I keep thinking yeah. of kids seeing these films about nothing but violence. It's obscene. Yeah. Sex isn't obscene, but violence is obscene right. in the right. worst way, in yeah. the in the worst level. It's dreadful, and now it's on television also. Yeah. And I think, is there no place sacred anymore where you can go quietly and see something human without someone being blown up or something being blown up? I just, I turn off anything that I see that is violent. I won't watch it. I will not feed it. Yeah. Is that why you still come back and will do certain movies like Nancy Drew or The oh, Turtle's yes. Tale? Oh, yes, like I that? did Nancy Drew for my daughters because they were such Nancy Drew fans when they were kids. 
And I said, oh, this has to be dear. And I had a ball. I thought I worked a day, uh, two days at most. And it was great fun, and I enjoyed it immensely. I enjoyed doing one scene in a film called Freedom Riders because that was a marvelous film. And it had violence in it in the beginning to show where these kids had to live and where they came from. But the use of that wonderful teacher's brilliance in knowing how to teach these kids and getting them into the passion of learning, extraordinary. I played one scene, and I was so proud of that scene I could have popped and thrilled to play that lady. You know, she lived over 100 years old. And that woman was even, in her late, late years, was a docent at the Anne Frank home. She showed people around it and gave them tours of it. Wow. Yeah, isn't that extraordinary? Oh, an extraordinary human being. She and her husband uh, uh, could have been killed at the point of death for helping Jews, but they would go out into the country, ride out on their bicycles with uh, uh, food stamps that they begged, borrowed, and stole from all of their chums and get food for the Franks and their guests and would take them back to the attic for them. Now, if they had caught her and her husband doing it, they would have been killed on the spot. Wow. On the spot, no questions asked. Wow. So what an honor to play a human being like that. Yeah. See, that's the fun of acting, isn't it? That's quite a departure from a sea witch. And <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. But that's the fun of acting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this wonderful Ursula is the only character I've ever played like her. And really? I will never do a copycat character. I played her sister and played her just a little dumber. But I would never play another character like Ursula because this one is so complete and so perfect. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do another character like her. But half the fun of acting is playing people who aren't you, yeah. people who are different <laughs> from you, people who are light years ahead of you or light years behind you. You know, it's wonderful. It's a great stretch of the human imagination. And once you have that wonderful apprenticeship under your belt, hopefully in the theater, you will have the knowledge of the craft of acting, which is a definite craft. No one can teach you to act. There are a lot of wonderful people out there who can teach you the craft of acting. And those are the tools, and that's what you need, because no one can teach you to act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you, are there any parts that you, you've done so much, you've had such a, a marvelous career, but have you, are there any characters that you kind of thought, wow, that would have been fun to do? Any, anybody that you would have liked to play that you weren't able to for some reason? The role King that got Lear. away? Yeah. King you, Lear. King Lear. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, indeed. And it would be called Queen Lear. And the relationship with the daughters would even be stronger. No, I have harbored a deep desire to do King Lear and call it Queen Lear. It has been attempted by actresses, and uh, it has never never succeeded. And maybe it is an impossibility, but that's my ambition is to play King Lear. Now, I've only done done, uh, three Shakespearean roles, and one of them... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was Sir John uh, Puffy Belly, uh, the, the Fat Jack. You oh, know, my the knight, heaven. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I played Fat Jack in The Merry Wives of Windsor. I tell you, I have never had so much fun in my life. <laughs> it was extraordinary. And, and now I had done two other roles for the Shakespeare Theater. I'd done The Nurse in Romeo and Juliet, and then I did, uh, uh, what's that wonderful play that all the actresses around the world do? Uh, the Mother with the Kids. Um, oh, rat it. I can't think of it now. Uh or whatever it was. I did that, loved it. But Fat Jack gave me more joy. So when we began rehearsals, all the fellows in the company, we'd work together. They were patting my hand and chucking my chin and giving me hugs until Michael Kahn, the director, said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem here. Our dear Pat is playing a male role, but you're treating her like she is dear Pat and patting her cheek and patting her hand and giving her a hug. He said, folks, she's playing a male. Don't forget it. Well, they didn't do a thing about it until I put on facial hair and a male costume. (laughs) They totally changed. Now they began hitting me on the bum, thank you very much, and poking me in the arm. And I said, treat me like dear Pat again. (laughs) You're getting too rough. But I want to tell you, it's amazing to try to play a male. Now, I could not play Fat Jack and any of the other plays because it was totally male. He was mentoring a young man. Totally male roles. I wouldn't want to attempt it. I wouldn't even try. But in The Merry Wives of Windsor, he's an old cock-a-doodle-doo. And even his fellow villagers laugh at him and mock him. And I felt sorry for him. So in the last scene, I, I played it like a tragedy. And one critic picked it up. And said, that's absolutely right. And I thought, isn't that marvelous? And a woman playing the role, mind you. But I had such compassion for that dear old fellow being laughed at, a man who had mentored a future king and people were making fun of him. How dare they? How dare they do that to that dear old man? I had the time of my life. The seduction scenes were hysterical. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) They were hysterical. And we had the actress and I who did it were in in tears all the time. We were laughing so hard. We were having such fun. Isn't that marvelous that you can do that? Now, men, many times, put on female garb and carry on, but very seldom do women put on male garb and carry on because you start using all of the things that all of your life you've thought about men by looking at them from the distance or close up. And I incorporated all of that. All the things that I used to laugh at men about, I used. I absolutely used. And I think it made the character better. I really do. I had the most wonderful time being in someone else's clothes. Yeah. So you kind of, you know, developed this character, you know, from the outside or the inside. I mean, how'd you go about that, Pat? How would I go without what time? How'd you go about, like, creating this character? Uh, you know, you're playing Mr. a man. John? Yeah, yeah. After John, it was yeah. very simple. I read a lot uh, of reviews about uh, Sir John. I went back and read all Shakespeare, all of the plays where he mentored the young king. Uh, and Shakespeare was a pretty doggone good playwright because he gives you, as an actor, so many clues to the character. If you read it with that in mind, if you become a Sherlock Holmes and read Shakespeare because you want some answers, you find them, but you have to look. 
And so I did all of my reading in Shakespeare. I did research in books. Uh, I uh, did a few theatrical biographies because I knew that the actor had been reputed in his Sir John characterization. I wanted to find out what did he use. So I stole from a lot of people, but actors are thieves. We steal from life. We steal from other people's experiences, you know? And we're not ashamed to say so because we're trying to use it to round out a human character. So what has ever happened to another human being and hasn't happened to us, I feel free to use because it's the human experience. And I'm not attaching names to it, so it isn't a matter of libel. Right, right. Well, what kind of research did you do, or what was your process in creating Ursula? Because you, you are no not re- Ursula. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, thank you, darling. I appreciate it. Uh, I really, you couldn't go any place to research her. What was I going to do? Squid research in uh, magazines and books on marine life? I don't think so. That's not what their character is. I just read and reread and read and reread and looked at the storyboards. Uh, to get the size of her in relationship to other characters. And then I began doing that thinking that I'm telling you about. Uh, What was she really like? And landing on a used car salesman, which is all of the phony baloney charm that we all know some used car salesmen have. Right. And then utilizing that kind of overwhelming big sell certainly in the area of the Little Mermaid, trying to buy her voice, trying to get her to sign the papers. So Just she a trifle, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but what I loved was the ex-Shakespearean actress, because I heard her saying things, and she crosses her T's and dots her I's and rounds her O's. And I delighted in that. I de- and I've known some Shakespearean actresses like that, and I stole from them. Yeah, so is it easier or harder to do uh, an animated character than it is to do you know, some, uh, like a movie or a stage uh, oh, character? Oh, it's much easier to do an animated character because they're yeah. there in front of you. They're visualized for you. When you're doing a normal person, all you have are stage directions and a mm. director and your own imagination. Right, right. And working with other actors because many times the way another actor plays a role changes your interpretation. That's what's so wonderful about it. That's why I am always so excited at the first reading of a play. I want to hear what everybody is contributing. And and some of it is so amazing and enlightening, it changes what you were working on. Oh, it's a great give and take, the theatrical profession. It really is. This is not a dormant, dead old thing. It's very alive and well and living everywhere. But the exchange is so exciting. I suppose the, the, the only relationship I, I can make with it is sports. Because in sports, there is bodily contact, there is competition, and there is wisdom, and there's uh, some kind of chicanery, some fancy dancey <laughs> stuff that people do. But the competition is always there in acting. The uh, chicanery is there. I think sports is about, and also there's always a winner in sports, one side or the other. Right. And in the theater, I guess the only winner is the entire company when comes the call. Because yeah. without all of those actors being wonderful, you haven't seen a play. True, very true. Okay, 
So because this old lady doesn't lie. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> 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 but I have to tell you, after these 86 years, and I've been in this profession 65, 67 years, I could not be more grateful. I say my prayers of gratitude every day. I knew when I was 13 what I wanted to do. And I have done it all my life, and I could not be more grateful. Thank you, dear Lord. And we love your work, Pat. Oh, oh bless you. You <laughs> see, that that is our reward. Yeah. And I adore it when children come up to me, and they can't be the babies because the babies are petrified of her. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I make them cry, isn't that But it's the way the artists have drawn her. Yeah, that sure. first entrance down that slide with those tentacles flailing out. I, if I were four years old, I would be petrified. Yeah. But if about seven or eight, they begin to get the humor of her. Yeah. And they begin to appreciate her overall. And they forget being scared. That's still in the background. But they're looking at other aspects of her and getting a kick out of her, which is what she's about. It was probably like a month day. ago. We we all live in Orlando, and um, so we go to the parks a lot. And about a month ago, I saw a little girl get on the monorail with an Ursula doll, oh. which I thought was the most darling thing, because you always see them dressed as princesses or carrying their princess dolls around. Right, but she, right, but she carrying... loved Ursula. Yes. She loved Ursula. Well, you know, there is something for little girls in Ursula, because she's female. Mm-hmm. And I think the power she exudes. Little yes. girls rather catch on to that, don't they? It's kind of Absolutely. nice. And it's kind of interesting to know that it's possible. may not be necessary, but it's possible. And I think she's a good example. Other than, <laughs> other than being an outright bitch, I think she's a perfect <laughs> example. Something <laughs> <laughs> graceful in all of those good <laughs> Oh, golly. But haven't I been a fortunate one to be able to play her? Yeah. You know, I guess one uh, thing, Pat, is, you know, being this character in a Disney movie, I mean, you know, your legacy of Ursula will live on for, you know, generations and generations. I mean, every time Disney re-releases the film, you know, they put it in the vault, they take it out of the vault. I, I mean, people will be watching this character for generations. Well, from your mouth to God's ear, please, Tony. <laughs> I, I would be happy if that were to happen. I'll be long gone. I'll be up in the green room in the sky, you know, talking with other actors and having a ball. But, yes, I would love that because how often do any of us as actors get a chance to play a character that lives on? Yeah. Often? Yeah. Not think, very often. Right. Do you think that 24 years later you'd still be doing interviews based around this character? No. And I'm still getting fan mail. Oh, uh, uh, From all over the world. The latest, China, Taiwan. Uh, I, I mean, it has astounded me. Mm-hmm. And the gal who cleans my house helps me with the fan mail. She prepares it for me, and I do all the signing. And she recently said, I have to tell you something since I open all this. I have to tell you, you're very big with mental institutions and prisons. (laughs) 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 Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that marvelous? But I tell you, the mails from... And many times parents write if their little kid is having a birthday and they want a special greeting from older. So I am delighted to do it because that means so much to kids. It really does. And so I, I sit every week when this gal is here and we work on the, on the mail. And I, again, am very grateful 
You know, I don't consider that a chore. I think it's lovely. If people like a character that much and they want a picture of that guy, I'm thrilled to send it to them. Thrilled yeah. to send it to them. And Disney did a lovely thing. They had a picture made of me standing at a microphone, you know, pretending to be Ursula. And then they have two or three uh, of the pictures of her. So I send those out to the kids, and I think it delights them because they don't know what I look like, but they certainly recognize Ursula right away, so they have there a lovely remembrance of Ursula. Yeah, that's fantastic. They can cut me out of it if they want to, but at least they have Ursula. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're cutting you out, Pat. Oh, Can we get right. this address from you? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. But I tell you, it, it's a joy. I know a lot of actors don't like to do it, and that's their mm, privilege. Right. But because of this character, uh, I know that it's important. It's not me. It's this character that yeah. these kids are interested in. So I am delighted. Whatever their fantasies, whatever their imagination about this character, if they want a picture in their bedroom of that character, I'll send it to them. Yeah. Do you think you're going to go see the 3D movie next year? Are you going to be able to stop me? <laughs> I'm hoping, fingers crossed, you're that they ask me to see a screening of it while I'm in California. I would adore that because yeah. they're releasing it in August. I'll be there in August. Internationally, I don't know if they'll have prints for the States ready or not, but if anybody asks me, I will be there with my tail wagging. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as it's released, if they don't ask me to see it in California, I shall see it in a the movie theater and I will happily pay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you don't have to do true. that. I'm sorry. I think it's very proper for us who work in these things to pay. That's how we get our salaries. Yeah, that's true. So I contribute to my own well-being. <laughs> 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 oh, you all are such fun. Do you have fun doing this show? We have a, a great time doing this show. It sounds like you do, and I like that. No. I yeah. like that. I don't like pomposity. I like people having fun. No, we're not about that. We're We're about the fun. <laughs> That's good. And don't you ever change. <laughs> Thank you. We won't. I'll find you, I'll hound you, and I'll pack it up. Wait, that could and be I'll fun. And I'll blow you with my old whippy things there. <laughs> have, hey. you ever been, have you ever been hit by a tentacle? <laughs> Not recently. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm scaring you now. I know I'm scaring you. <laughs> you can edit out all the laughs. They won't think we're just all drunk. Oh, no. That's how we normally are. Right. Oh, Wait, good. That's, that's the way you should be. That's the way you should be. Well, now, do you have any more questions? Um, I have one about your vo- the voice of Ursula. Where did that come from? Is that, did you that, create I that? knew when I saw the drawings of her. Sarah, I knew when I saw the storyboards that she was not a soprano. And I thought, what did she what look like voice? when you saw her the first time? Because I know she went through some changes. Oh, well, originally she was an eel. But they didn't show that to me because I wouldn't, my size would not have fit that. <laughs> but when they, when they gave me the full drawing as she was a, to appear in the film, I knew it had to be a deeper voice to inhabit that particular body. And I knew it had to come from the most base of my alto voice. So I began doing vocal exercises to lower my voice, and I lowered my voice a total octave. 
just yeah. to do Ursula. Wow. Wow. Uh, because that was my vision. Now, if if the two Johns, the, the directors and producers, had said, oh, that's way too low, I could have brought it up, but at least I had the ability to take it down. Wow. So that's why actors should always be on the QV. Watch everything that has to do with your character. Study everything. Be prepared in case people want changes, which is more than possible, and they're right. But that voice came to me because I kept working on it. And then when I would get the dialogue, the dialogue seemed to suit the lower voice, and I could do glides and glissandos and all kinds of silly things. I think that uh, I worked at the voice. I really did. Yeah. It just didn't come to me overnight in a dream or anything. I worked at it because I felt, and if it hadn't been right, I know the two Johns would have corrected me. I felt that she had that much deeper voice. Uh, most contraltos have that rich, lush, liquid voice, I call it. I don't think Ursula has a liquid voice. I think she has a a snaky voice. It's a glide voice. It's a glissando voice. And her laugh is just sheer loud, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two questions. Stand back, stand back. <laughs> there you are. That's what we were waiting for. <laughs> uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I think I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> oh, don't you dare cry. I'll have to come over there and spank you. You have to have wonderful breath control to do yeah. that. Because in the middle of dialogue, many times she would have to do a laugh. Mm. And I've just blown everything on the dialogue, and then I have to come up with the breath for a laugh. So you had to be carefully prepared with your breathing for right. those sessions. Before I went into one, I wouldn't know what the dialogue was until I saw it. So I had to be prepared and equipped. Again, actors, be on your toes. Yeah. Be on your toes. Did you have to go home and drink a lot of hot tea to get your voice to no, come back for the no, next day? No, I never did. Uh, many times, if we worked over three hours, yes, my voice would be tired. But I would go home and have um, a little belt of scotch fixed it there right we go. up. It was okay. miraculous. I only drink single malt, so it's very healthy for you. Yeah. It's kept me through these 86 years, so I have a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> but no, I never did anything medical because I knew it was vocal fatigue. So I just wouldn't talk in the evening. I'd go to bed and get a good night's rest. The voice would be fine the next day. I would do some vocal exercises. But uh, I never had a, uh, uh, an infection or a cold or anything that kept me from recording because yeah. I kept myself in good health knowing that I was going to have to be ready to go record something. Right, right. You know, so you, yeah, you have to be careful as an actor. You can't just be flagrant with your life. Uh, we want to wrap up because I know you have some uh, things to do. But uh, two questions for you. Are you going to appear at the D23 Expo in California in August? Yes, I am, you little minx. Are you all going to be there? <laughs> yes, we are. Absolutely. Will you come and find me? I forget the number of my booth, but I'm going to be there with my daughter uh-huh. and Rory Calhoun's daughter, who is a very dear friend of our family. She's going to help me, too. Okay. And maybe my granddaughter will be there, and I could introduce you to the whole fam family. We will be there. I will be there with bells on, if I have oh. to. I will be well, there. I'll have matching bells and we can do a concert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to that, you all. Yes, 
The reason for my going to California was D23, mm -hmm. but the first reason was my youngest daughter's birthday on August 5th. Oh. My actress daughter. So I'm, okay. I'm giving her her birthday dinner, and I'm, I'm surprising her with a new uh, television. Uh, not wow. television, but a computer, a new computer. Very nice. She's worn the one she has out, so I think I'm. I think it's in my place to get her a new one. So uh, we'll have to. Uh, I'll, I'll look at the uh, show floor plans for the expo, and then we will post that uh, along with the show, so that people can come and visit you. Because uh, oh, please do because I am looking forward to that. We don't want you to be sitting there bored. Pardon? <laughs> we don't want you to be bored all day sitting there. Oh, no, I'm not going to be bored all day. If people don't come to me, I go out and find them. Oh, I do. I march around with a sign on me. <laughs> no, I just thought of that. I think I may use it. Oh, yeah. What a good idea. I'm so glad I'm talking to you. I'm coming up with these ideas. I don't think you'll need it. Yeah. You don't sound like the kind of person who waits for life to come to you. Yeah. I, I tell you, no, I don't. You got it. I don't. But I so enjoy these things, these collections and signing things, because you get to meet so many dear people and so many people who might not otherwise have an opportunity to meet you. And I think a lot of times they got a lot off their chest. And that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, so I look forward to the event with great joy. Yeah. And we, you know, I think part of, I, I guess, our duty or obligation is to try and tell uh, the story of, you know, great actors like yourself. You know, I'm saying Disney legends uh, because, you know. You are. Yeah. You know, oh, you, that's you know. so nice. Thank you all. Yeah, I, I think You're that... You're very kind. Well, I couldn't be happier to be working for any studio on this planet uh, except the Disney studio. They are superb. And in my life, since 1999, when we began work on this, I have had nothing but joy, pleasure, and astounding adventures with the Disney people. Yeah. That's, that's so good I'm to hear. very fortunate, believe me. And we can all celebrate there. We can dance for them. <laughs> I'll do a dance for you, Pat. <laughs> all right, good. And I will expect to see that. Now, I'll see you three there. Yes. Absolutely. Well, two of us, yes. Uh, one is a maybe. <laughs> well, who's the maybe? Krista. Krista, what do we have to do to get you there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not for lack of trying. I, I really hope to to be able to make it so oh do please because then i get to put faces on all three of you yeah. oh i'll send a picture if i can't come <laughs> all right all right you promise you promise now y'all well, have witnesses to this that's true we'll just grab well, a random you all please take care of yourselves be happy well and keep doing such a lovely job Thank you very much, Pat. Thank you so much. We Pat, love you. You're so wonderful. Thank you so much oh, for your time. <laughs> Bless you. You all are, too. To do this kind of a broadcast, you are marvelous. Keep doing it. Be happy with it. Be successful always. Call the Disney Parks podcast at 407-476-8898 to leave a message 24 hours a day. You can also email us questions and comments at the crew at DisneyParkPodcast.com. And you can find us at Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Disney PK Podcast. Follow us on Twitter for all you Twitter lovers at Disney PK Podcast. Help us out by subscribing to us on iTunes. Rate us, review us, leave us a little note, and we will respond to you there as well. 
You can also find us on Stitcher Radio On Demand. Visit us at Disney Parks Podcast where you can find all of our shows, our show notes, and leave us a comment. Join us next Tuesday for more news, rumors from all around the Disney Parks, and we'll see you in the parks. Tony Casanova from Disney by the Numbers, and I ask that you stop by DisneyByTheNumbers.com where you can read our news, our blog, see videos, sign up for our newsletter, and uh, check out our photos and all the other good stuff that we have at DisneyByTheNumbers.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash DBTN page. I know that's a little hard, but you can follow us there. You can follow us on Twitter at DBTN. You can find us on YouTube by searching for Disney by the Numbers. You can sign up for our newsletter at DisneyByTheNumbers.com. And you can go out to iTunes and get our iPhone app, which you can use on your iPhone, iPad, and iPod. Check out WDWDBTN Facts on iTunes. I'm Park Hopper Sid, and I come to you from WDW Park Hoppers. You can find us at WDWParkHoppers.com and all across the internet on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at WDWParkHoppers. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, and you can also sign up for all of our blog posts to be delivered directly to your inbox. Also visit us at TeamParkHoppers.com for all of your running tips, encouragement, and run Disney information. Hi, this is Krista from DisneyWays.com, where our mission includes bringing you exciting Disney news and information that's also sprinkled with Disney Ways treasures you won't find anywhere else. Uh, we want to help answer your Disney-related questions. We do post every single day, so we hope you subscribe to our updates by email. We do have monthly prizes for our subscribers, so you're automatically entered just for subscribing, and you'll be kept up to date for with our coming events and all the things we have going on at Disney Ways. We can also be found at Twitter at Disney Ways and we do have a YouTube channel that's a work in progress but we'd love to have you there too. So check us out on the web. Mm-hmm.